Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare breaking down every game every day in major league baseball this is the baseball betting show here is your host greg peterson a warmer for the low. Welcome to Lovey Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Visa Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you. As joining me in segment number two, we are going to have a board Matt Williams. He does great work over at the Game Day MLB. We'll get a few thoughts as to how he's going to be playing these games the last few weeks of the regular season and then dive in on the betting board that we've got for this Tuesday and why he does wait a little bit longer to play some of his bets this time of year and some of the added difficulty it is with being able to bet some of these games overnight versus day of the game. In the final segment, going to get you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this Baseball Tuesday as we touch them all. If you have a question, comment, segment, idea, what have you for this podcast, you have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, let Maybe it does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way is find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but we had a great day of baseball on Monday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. We saw the Phillies and the Braves play a pair with the two teams splitting as game number one went the way of the Atlanta Braves by kind of 10 to 8 as Charlie Bourne does give up four runs over the course of six innings, but for time on Walker, he allowed six runs, five of which were in, in five and a third innings before Andrew Bellotti lets up a pair of solo runs around the Cunha Jr., 36th of the campaign. He's trying for a 40-60 and 60 season. Michael Harris is second. He gets home run number 15. Dylan Covey did provide two scoreless innings, and then Jose Alvarado took the loss in this one. Two runs, one of which was earned as the Phillies. They were down four runs going to the bottom of the seventh. They were able to rally, though, as they were able to get a pair of runs off of Rossio Iglesias, including a home run going deep for the Phillies. Home run number 16 of the season for Bryce Harper. And then Trey Turner down for what? His 25th of the campaign. That comes off of Dylan Lee as the Harper home run came with the team. Down two runs in the ninth inning to force a 10th inning as 
the home run was given up by Dylan Lee to Trey Turner. He got he went one inning, giving up two runs, both of which was earned. Joey Jimenez got a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and then AJ Minter, Kirby Yates. They both turned scoreless innings, and then in game two, another high-scoring game, but this one goes the way of the Phillies by kind of seven to five. Just Kyle Wright gussing the Atlanta Braves this one as he looked good in his rehab assignments. This is a big league, so he gives up six runs over the course of three innings. From there, Jackson Stevens was not bad. He gave up a solo run in three two-thirds innings going deep for the Phillies. Brandon Marsh is sent home run the campaign. From there, Peters Johnson gets four strikeouts on 18 pitches to be able to get four outs. And Matt Olson, now a 50 home run season from 127 RBI. His 49th and 50th home runs of the season. In a normal year, he'd be right up there at the top for the NL MVP voting as he went deep off of Michael Lorenzen twice and then Gregory Soto allowed one to Michael Harris the second. His 16th home run in the campaign for Soto. Gives up a home run and is heading working for Michael Lorenzen. Got the win, but gave up those two home runs. Four runs a total over the course of five innings. Jeff Hoffman, Matt Strom, and Craig Kimbrell from there were able to turn scoreless innings. It's been a rough year for the Pirates all year, and... They lose another one to the Washington Nationals, 6-2, as Patrick Corbin leads you to victory again. Gives up two runs over the course of six innings, and now if you bet $100 on every Patrick Corbin start this far this season on the money line, you're up right in the neighborhood, depending upon closing numbers, right around about $760. He's a top-eight pitcher in terms of making you money this far this season. From there, Jordan Weems, one and a third inning scoreless. Jose Ferrar, scoreless inning, and for the Nationals, trio of home runs. You had... C.J. Abrams go deep twice, his 17th and 18th home runs of the season. Then you had home run number eight off the bat of Dominic Smith. For Smith, he goes deep off of Hunter Stratton, who gives up that home run over the course of two innings. Cody Bolton gave up a home run in his two innings of work, and Andre 3000 Jackson, four runs, all of which were earned, given up in his four innings before Jose Hernandez was able to turn a squirrel setting of his on the Orioles. They just continue to pound the tar out of the ball. 11-5, they take down St. Louis Cardinals. Cardinals averaging right around six runs per game this month as well, but Dakota Hudson continues to stink, giving up seven runs over the course of four and a third innings. You had Andrew Suarez give up two runs while getting it out of the bullpen. Andre Pallante, he goes one and two thirds innings, allowed two runs, both of which were solo home runs. Gunnar Anderson is 25th home run season, and Cedric Mullins is 14th as Dean Kramer. Not like he gave a great start, giving up five runs in four to third innings, but bullpen at his back. D.L. Hall, Alonso Ore Lopez combined for two scoreless innings. Danny Colum gets a pair of outs out of the bullpen, and Chitero Fujinami along Jacob Webb. They were both able to supply scoreless inning. Meanwhile, you did have Drew Verhagen give you a scoreless inning for the Cardinals, and Jacob Barnes was able to get a pair of outs out of the bullpen as well. Do have to do this a little bit in advance of Greg Peterson experience. That is from midnight to 3 Eastern time. That is 9 to midnight every, if you're out there on the West Coast, Monday through Thursday, Tuesday through Friday, if you're out East. But this game just went final, and the Brewers, they just completely pounded the uh, Miami Marlins. 12-0 the final. Asa Cesardo gives up six runs in five innings. And Dan, the man, Cassano, he was not the man. He gave up five runs, four of which were earned in two innings before. Backup catcher Jacob Stellings gave up a run in an inning for Milwaukee. They have Marcana go deep off of Ace Luis Cesardo to lead off the game. 10th home run season. Lone home run the Brewers got in for Brandon Woodruff. Complete game shutout as for the Miami Marlins. They're 74 and 70 and it's going to be rough for them to try to be able to make the playoffs at this point as you got to figure that their one run luck it is going to be ending as for the Miami Marlins. Currently they are in one run games 29 and 12. They are currently sitting here with a 74-70 and 70 record with a negative 58 run differential. That's a worse run differential than the New York Mets. So 
That's something to keep in mind. This is a game that just went final with the Walker Texas Rangers getting a 10-4 win over the Toronto Blue Jays for Texas. They had Dane Dunning Gitter Dunning giving up three runs over the course of six innings before Chris Stratton, Ian Kennedy, Martin Perez. They come in for an inning. Kennedy allowed a solo run in the ninth inning as a little bit of window dressing. Kevon Biggio, ninth home run season, but Chris Bassett was taking hook, line, and sinker. Giving up five runs in five and a third innings including a home run to young Evan Carter, his first home run of his career. Meanwhile, Jonah Heim, 16th home run of the campaign. That comes off of Genesis Cabrera. He allows four runs to two-thirds of an inning. Jack Green gives up a run in two-thirds of an inning, and then Bowden Francis, two and a third inning scoreless out of the bullpen. This should be one that the Rays are able to get in. We are currently doing this in the eighth inning. They're currently up by a count of seven to four at the start of the class now. Did a lot of pair of home runs. Four runs in total, of course, the six innings as Max Kepler took him deep. 22nd home run the campaign, and Royce Lewis is 12th. But for the Minnesota Twins bullpen, it has been a disaster. Sonny Gray was only able to make it four innings, got his pitch count jacked up, gave up two runs, one of which was earned. And from there, we've seen Brent Hedrick give up a home run, two runs in total in the course of two and a third innings in Dome Floral. He gave up three runs in his inning of work as for the Rays, Andy Diaz went deep off of Hedrick, 20th home run season, and then Taylor Walls was able to get his eighth home run season. We shall see how that one shakes out. Currently doing this as Giants and Guardians and the Mariners and the Angels just got going 3-2 to in the second inning between the Seattle Mariners and the LA Angels. This one looking like it's going to be a higher scoring game as for Reed Detmers was a rocky first inning to say the least as he allowed a home run to Cal Raleigh. Raleigh has been white hot for this team that is home run number 28 of the campaign. Meanwhile for the Angels, Logan O'Hoppy took Logan Gilbert deep. Ninth home run of the season, Giants. And we're able to get a run in the first inning against the Cleveland Guardians. And right now, as I do this, the Astros are on the verge of being shut out. It's 3-0 to zero in the eighth inning. Mason Miller only made it two innings, but it's pretty much a pseudo-opener in this one before Ken Waldachuk. It's pitched five hitless innings. And for the A's, pair of home runs off of Framber Valdez. Brent Rooker, 24th home run season. Shea Langelaers, he was able to get his 18th for Valdez. Got 10 strikeouts, but... Gave up those three runs over the course of seven innings before Phil Maton was able to hold down the four for a scoreless inning. And this one singing in the balance as well, two to one. The Cubs are currently leading the Rockies in the fifth inning and then the New York Metropolitans. They're currently up on the Arizona Diamondbacks by a count of three to two in a game where Zach Davies went four innings, gave up three runs. He continues to be rough, giving up home run to Jeff McNeil's eighth home run in the campaign and Rose Quintana. Another relatively solid start, only filled five innings, but gave up two runs and has allowed three runs of fear. Now nine out of his ten starts thus far this season. And the Mets, keep in mind, they're the best home under team in the National League with over 60% of their home games going under the total this season. And that has been a little bit of a rarity as we have seen in recent days the over retake the lead with regards to season-long numbers. If you do take a look at the last seven days in baseball, it has been overwhelming. 48 overs to 34 unders with a few games for Monday pending as I do this. Meanwhile, favorites over the last seven days, 15 and 36 straight up. All but 10 of these favorites that have won outright have been able to cover that run line over the last 30 days. It's more like 227 and 167, so a 57.5% hit rate to the favorites. Meanwhile, among these favorites, we have seen all but 46 be able to cover the run line in the time span of the last 30 days. 209 overs to 172 under, so very nearly a 55% overrate and overall for the season. Overs, 1,033 of them, 1,029 under, so very even, but overs with a slim lead. Meanwhile, for favorites, they're 1,235 and 896 on the money line. That's a 58% rate with of these favorites. 307 in total. 
failing to cover that minus one and a half. So that's where we're seeing in baseball right now, and that's what we all got on Monday. Got a little bit of cleanup for the podcast tomorrow, but we've got a lot to take a look at for Tuesday. And just the last few weeks of the MLB regular season, we're going to be discussing that and so much more with Matt Williams of the Game Day MLB on the flip side here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beeson Family Podcast. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. 
Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here love you, Las Vegas, for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Beast and Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man as Matt Williams does great work taking a look at the game of baseball over there at the Game Day MOB. He's our lead MOB editor, but I know that he, much like so many of us, is also doing a great job when it comes to the football front as well, getting all set for what is going to be a tremendous NFL season as week one was a little bit wonky and you know, it is going to be a lot of fun to take a look there. But we are also in primetime baseball as we've got about two and a half weeks left of the regular season. And man, doing a great job taking a look at all angles there and you're able to follow him on X slash Twitter at Matt Williams. But the L's in Matt Williams, they are replaced with the number seven. So it's Matt WI77 and then the end of Williams. And Matt, it's always great to have you aboard. Thank you. Hey, Greg. Thanks for having me back on. Love this time of year. You got the football coming in. You got college basketball coming up. You got regular basketball coming up. You got everything kind of like working during the summer where it has that dead period where hardly anything's going on. It's it's good for baseball fans, but <laughs> for everything else, it's just a lot more exciting this time of year. It's getting a little cooler in the air, but yeah, I do love this time of year betting baseball though. It, like whether that's true or not, I feel like it's a good time when every sports books are not putting the effort they once were into sharpening their lines while they're focusing on NFL we can bear down and maybe scratch a few more dollars out of them. And what are some of the big things that you are taking a look at with regards to baseball this time of year? Because I always do feel like there's a bit of a divide between the haves and the have-nots, but the rate in which favorites have been winning over the last 30 days has not really been too demonstrably higher or lower than what it has been for the entirety of the season. And I feel like it's really a team-by-team basis because you've got some of these teams like, I'm looking at you, the LA Angels, that went completely dead. Meanwhile, some of these teams that have been bad throughout the year, like the Oakland A's, they've been still giving a relatively solid effort. So how have you been taking a look at this time of year, and how you been betting like favorites and underdogs? For most of the year, I love betting really early, some, usually the night before, to try to grab some you know early line value before it changes. But not this time of year. I actually like to wait because especially with some expanded rosters, not that they're expanded to the extent they used to be, but teams are bringing up the rookies, and teams that are out of it may be trying younger players over veterans. Teams that are way out in front may be resting players here and there. People are maybe managing innings. There's so many different things, so... I like to gather more information, wait until closer to game time before, you know, placing a lot of bets on the money line, run line, totals, even whatever. I still take advantage of early lines for props. But yeah, as far as like what I look for, that is mainly it. You need to see what the lineups are going to be. You want that usually, but you can typically forecast that throughout the season based on who had the night off and who's injured and, you know, bullpen usage. But this time of year, you truly don't know what some teams are going to do in regards to the lineups that wheel out there. Or the starting pitchers, like I think you mentioned on you know X slash Twitter, there was a game White Sox where yeah, approaching game time, they still hadn't announced who their starting pitchers are going to be. So you got to be a little more patient the time of year, maybe make sure you got the proper information because yeah, I mean a couple of players missing here or there completely changes the line. So you don't want to make sure that you are putting your money in a bad spot. Yep, I think that that is so important to do, and that was relatively ridiculous. You've got two teams that they are going to be making key times in about two and a half weeks, and they can't decide on a starting pitcher that 
was going to be a rematch of a game that we saw last week between these two very teams of the same <laughs> starting pitchers. And, of course, that's a game that got rained out between those two. So and it is always very fascinating to take a look at it. How do you gauge a game that is involving two teams that played a doubleheader on Monday? As we are going to be getting a few double dips on Tuesday as well. But in terms of the Phillies versus the Atlanta Braves game, we're finding a total of eight and a half. And with the Atlanta Braves, they throw out their max freed against Zach Wheeler because I do think that it is intriguing to take a look at this one as well because bullpen usage, it is now a little bit more of a concern, though you do have a few more pieces with regards to the bullpen because of the uh, September call-offs, what have you, for Max Freed has been relatively solid for the Braves. And Zach Wheeler, I honestly feel like he's been one of the best pitchers in all of baseball, has gotten a little bit of rough luck if you look at his advanced numbers, but it is very hard to go up against the same Atlanta Braves team that's ripping the cover off the ball of darn near everything. I honestly can't find anything I like to bet on in this one, only because, like you said, Max Freed, Zach Wheeler, two of the best in the game. Wheeler's been doing it all year. Freed's getting his feet underneath of him. The total's eight and a half, which... I think is fair because both offenses have been killing the ball the last 14 days runs created plus Atlanta 136 uh, Philly 128. They've been like two of the best offenses in baseball and they're facing each other, but they both have their ace like pitchers on the mound. So are you banking on the, the runs? Are you banking on the pitching? So I think eight and a half is fair. I don't know where I'd want to go in that direction. There's nothing in the first five that really gives me a reason to go there. I usually want to give the edge to the home team, but it's the Braves offense. So I don't really want to back Wheeler. If anything, maybe I lean towards the over because it is in Philly. It's a launching pad. You know, the Braves can dominate anybody, but not enough for me to put money on. So this is just one of those, hey, I'll sit back and watch this playoff atmosphere type game because I do not see anything where I'm confident enough to actually put some money on it. Yeah, I don't blame you there as I do think that this is going to be a fun one. And I do think that for many, and I'm a little bit in that boat as well, you want to see what happens in game two of that doubleheader before you take a look at the next day's games. And certainly that is going to be the case for some of the games from Tuesday into Wednesday as well. Like with the Yankees versus the Red Sox, we shall see what happens with that series as the game from Monday just got rained out as we do this podcast. So we shall see if they're going to stick with the normal pitching rotations or what is going to be happening there. But something that I know that you've done all season long, Matt, is take a look at George Kirby and like his unders walk rate. And has this become a little bit of a poor man's George Kirby that's going to be on the bump for the Tampa Bay Rays? On Tuesday, Zach Little is going up against Joe Ryan. Joe Ryan and the Twins are about a minus 125 to a minus 135 favorite with a total in most places at an 8.5. How do you view a guy like Zach Little uh, who he's not like the world's greatest pitcher. He's competent if you look at like the ERA, home runs allowed, but he's given up like 0.8 walks per nine innings since he's gotten to the raise, and it's been incredible to look at. Definitely like a poor man's George Kirby. I'll be looking to see where they put his line because the twins of late, they've been walking a good amount, like over the again, over the last like two weeks, 12% walk rate. That's actually one of the highest rates in the entire league. You know, maybe we'll get a nice price on that, but this is another game where I'm not necessarily sure where I want to go as far as if I want to put money down because you said Zach Little, he hasn't been putting many people on base, but I was saying some of those hottest teams in baseball, like swinging the bat, I mentioned Atlanta and Philly, twins are kind of right there, 130 weighted runs created plus, and they're smacking around righties and lefties equally, 360 Wobo versus lefties, 358 versus righties. They 
should be able to get to a little here. Joe Ryan, as I see on the books right now, F5 for them is like minus 140 or something at crazy. So you're not really getting much of an edge in the first five. And so you may want to look to the full game, but I'm not really seeing anything I necessarily like there. So I like little enough where I don't think I want to bank on the twins. If anything here, I actually like maybe the twins money line, but I don't like the price enough. So this is another one where I'm just staying away for Ryan's coming back. He got roughed up coming off the injury, but then he looked solid and little doesn't put many people on base. The twins are swimming the bat. It's just a little bit of everything. I look at it. I scratch my chin three times and I back away. So this is just another one where it's just an interesting game. Yep. It is another fascinating one. It's joining me on the show. We do have- <laughs> but we're like 10 minutes in. I've given zero actionable information to the audience. Hey, it's all good. Sometimes <laughs> the best bets are the ones not placed. I would be uh, very surprised if you'll have action on the St. Louis Cardinals as well as they trot out their Adam Wainwright in which, man, this is sad. He has yeah. given up three plus runs in 17 out of his 19 starts this year. The total is nine and John Means is making his first start in an eon for the Baltimore Orioles. So very tricky spot here with Baltimore being between about a minus 185 to a minus 190-ish favorite, and the total on this game is 10. Anything that you look at here, because I do think that Adam Wainwright has become one of the best fades in all of baseball, and though the total is 10, I do take a look at a little bit of an over in this spot. Yeah, I think that's possible. I, it's funny. I looked at Adam Wainwright. I'm like, oh, the Orioles are another team that have just been crushing the ball. They're 137 weighted runs created plus the last couple of weeks. I mean, there's some team-wide. I mean, that's crazy. And there's quite a few teams doing this. I mean, for every single one on the team, I mean, there's some teams that are really swinging the bat well. But then you see John Means, first time out. Adam Wainwright may blow, but the Cardinals offense still has a couple of quite dangerous bats in there. Do you want to trust John Means? Not necessarily. So as far as backing the Orioles. No, thank you. The over, I said I'd take a look at, but I think right now there's no lines on it, but the first five team total for the Orioles, just straight up attacking Adam Wainwright directly, which is what I do every time he goes out there now. As soon as the lines are up there, I'll look for, it'll probably be three and a half or four and a half, and I will probably gladly take the over. Uh, So we'll have to see what that is, depending on what the money is, but uh, other than that, yeah, I think you're looking at an F5 over or a full game over if you don't want to go any individual team, so Yeah, definitely attack Adam Wainwright. And of course, I highly doubt John Means can go too far in this one against a dangerous Cardinals lineup, even though they've been disappointing overall this year. So I can't see back in the Orioles. I don't know how you feel about that. But yeah, I'll be attacking the totals and not the teams here. If I'm looking at anything, I am looking at an Orioles run line just because with Adam Wainwright, even though he's backed up by a good offense, that Cardinals bullpen is still really rough. And for Adam Wainwright, I just have absolutely no faith in him whatsoever. (laughs) I am completely out on him and I don't think anyone can blame me there and if you're out on Chris Flexen I don't think anyone can blame you there as well he's got north of a 70 ERA in the field the independent is bad he's pitching Coors Field he's backed up by a bullpen that has an ERA that's north of seven over the last 40 or so days and now they go up against the Cubs and Javier Assad and I take a look at this total and it's another one I like over we've seen a lot of overs over the last 45 or so days I recognize that the total is 12 but Javier Assad is someone that, if you look at the advanced numbers, he's doing for some regression. And for Chris Flexen, this guy is just a complete and utter nightmare and is getting nothing going whatsoever. The Rockies are an easy fade. They do have some players coming back, though. They have some people coming off the injured list. I mean, they've been one of the worst hitting teams in baseball. Everyone's heard me cite all these great hitting teams. There are 61 weighted runs great plus in the last couple of weeks. I mean, that is, I mean, brutal. That's just terrible. The Cubs haven't been really swinging a hot bat near a 300 expected Wobo versus lefties and righties, 95 weighted 
runs carry plus right down the middle. But again, they're in course field, so they'll get a boost. Chris Flexen's terrible, so they'll get a boost. And like you said, aside on the surface, two eight three ERA, which is why we don't cite ERA. He has a lowly like six five three K per nine, eight point nine K minus walk rate, which the league average is like fourteen percent. So that's not really good. One two a whip, two twenty eight batting average against, but again, the advanced metrics. 483 expected ERA, 447 FIP. I mean, in a 473 Sierra. So he's nowhere as good of a pitcher as we've seen. So, uh, yeah, I think I'd be looking towards the over here as well. If anything, I think I like the Cubs run line a little more in this one, only because you have a projected for 12.9. That's a high number there. So, for some reason, the Rockies are just not able to carry their side. I do believe the Cubs will be able to put enough runs on flex, and they should be able to hopefully easily get a two run lead here. And, and to win. So I think my favorite bet here is the Cubs run line because, man, that total is just so high. I just hate betting those high totals. It just requires so much to happen. You know, it's like the unders, you can have injuries, you can have weather. For the overs, you just need so much to happen. And it's like, it's so much easier to bet on things not to happen. Yep, it certainly is. And man, <laughs> it is just a rough state of affairs when you get some of these matchups between the haves and the have-nots when it comes to late slash mid-September baseball. And What are you all taking a look at on the board for Tuesday? Because I know you were citing it a little bit before. There are quite a few games that are involving TBD pitchers. We had a pair of rainouts on Monday, so that causes a lot of fun time for Tuesday as well. But anything that you are taking a look at for Tuesday? Both pitchers the Mets traded away are worth a look here in different aspects. Houston run line right now, Justin Verlander versus Oakland. J.P. Sears is on the mound. I think that that's a very good spot to look at the run line. You can get it right now. Like FanDuel is right now. is like minus 125. That's beautiful. That's by far the lowest line. I think it's a little higher elsewhere. But yeah, minus 125. Definitely love Houston to dominate Oakland there. Verlander's been rock solid. On the other side, Max Scherzer has been a very big disappointment. When they just showed off against each other, Scherzer versus Verlander, Scherzer got his doors blown off. And he, even at his best, Max Scherzer gives up home runs. On my on my account, I always post every time he goes out there, Max Scherzer roulette, where he's almost guaranteed to give up a home run. So I'll, anyone with high odds, I'll just put like a quarter unit on a few home run plays. And he's facing a Blue Jays team where, again, we we're talking about hot hitting teams. I mean, 141. Weighted runs Curry plus the last couple of weeks. Scherzer has been a very big disappointment. Ryu is on the mound for the Blue Jays. The Rangers are very dangerous, but they have kind of been a little cooled off of late. I want to say during their crash and burn period where they're doing their very best to miss the playoffs. So these two teams are going the opposite directions. I love the Toronto money line here. At only minus 105, you can get at MGM. The most books here have it listed as kind of a toss-up of sorts. For me, I don't see it that way at all. I'll gladly take the Blue Jays uh, money line here where Scherzer has been poor and the Rangers just haven't been performing well and their bullpen has been atrocious. Yeah, it has been very atrocious. I completely see where you're coming from there and being able to target some of these bad bullpens it has been working out quite well. I cited the Rockies, here instead of Diamondbacks, the LA Angels, there have been some really, really bad bullpens recently, but a man that is an opposite of those bullpens, a man that always does a great job being able to close out and get the job done as you, Matt. You do a tremendous job over at the game day. Took a look at the great game of baseball. Top of that, it's NFL season. I know that you're doing a great job on that front as well. So let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. As you mentioned earlier in the show, feel free to follow me on social media, M-A-T-T-W-I-7-7-I-M-S. Follow me on Twitter slash X, gameday.com. Go over there if I... Do all my work over there Monday through Friday for MLB, NFL, and me. And you had him on the show before, the 
Walk Whisperer, Frank Amarante. Me and him are actually going to be starting our own live betting show. It'll be on every Thursday afternoon. So just follow me on Twitter for that. We'll be up around like lunchtime there and you can watch the replays as well. Where we'll go over the upcoming NFL week and MLB plays and all that fun stuff. So that'll be something that'll be debuting this week. Absolutely. And Matt, along with Frank, they do amazing work over at the game day. Every single time they join this podcast, they've learned tremendous insights. And Matt certainly did so today. A big thanks to Matt Williams for joining me on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beast of Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this Baseball Tuesday as we the ball. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events... You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare this is it we've got an amex platinum pro on our hands ladies and gentlemen we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the centurion lounge Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. 
Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. Remember back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast. Always great to be joined by Matt Williams. He does great work over at the Game Day MLB, and every single time he joins this podcast, does a tremendous job. Lundig his insights. I know that he is doing amazing work with the football season. He always brings it whenever he joins me on this podcast as well. So, big thanks to Matt for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast. I give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this Baseball Tuesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do you note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at GNN underscore 81. We are going to be going in Las Vegas Station or this is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, and then any interleague games as are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice and clean and easy, and we do have one exception, and that is with the doubleheader that we are going to be seeing out there in Kansas City. I'll be doing both of those games together. So let's get things started with 9:51, 9:52 on the betting board. The Washington Nationals—they're on the road. They're facing out against the Pittsburgh Pirates. This game is off the board as it is to be determined who's going to be on the bump for the Buckos, and Joanna Doan gets a start for the Nationals, and. You got to figure that in some form or fashion, Bailey Falter is going to be contributing in this game, whether that be as the starter or a little bit of a bulk guy. And assuming that is the case, I'm going to lay up to a minus 130 with the Pirates, would need at least a plus 132 to take a shot on the Washington Nationals. And maybe my total to wear a 9 or less, I'd be taking a look at the over 9.5 prior to the under. The uh, Pirates' bullpen pitching is better than that of the Washington Nationals. We're just calling it what it is. It's the Nationals team that all season long, they have really been struggling with their bullpen. They do have a few guys 
like Kyle Finnegan, Hunter Harvey, even someone like Jordan Weems, they'll be able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA, but you take a look at this team overall for the season, bottom five team, with regards to bullpen ERA, since the beginning of the month of July, they ranked 26th in the league with regards to bullpen ERA, and for the Pittsburgh Pirates, it's actually been a halfway respectable bullpen. I'm not saying that they're amazing or anything like that, but ever since the beginning of the month of July, Eighth in the league in terms of bullpen ERA. The likes of Colin Olderman, David Benar, Ryan Baruki, even Thomas Hatch being able to give you sub 3 5 ERAs. Carmen Boldazinski, these guys have been solid. Now, Bailey Falter has very much been living up to his name. He's got a 465 ERA and even higher fielding independent, giving up north of a home run in after nine innings. Doesn't really walk a lot of guys, but he just doesn't get strikeouts to save his life between two and three strikeouts in each out of his last three overall pitching appearances. And for the Pirates, you do have to have some concern with this offense. Good news is it feels like Jack Swinniski is getting a little bit more online as he's been able to give the team a pair of homers over the course of the last seven games. He was in a funk where he was hitting like a buck 40 with two home runs in 40 games prior to that. So it's big because he and Brian Reynolds are the only two guys on the roster right now that have been able to pound out more than 13 home runs this year with Cabrian Ace actually doing a nice job post-all-star break. He's been hitting about a 265 overall for the season, but you're trusting in a lot of guys that are not so great at the plate. Henry Davis is on the injured list. You're looking to Miguel Anduar and his 270 on base percentage. Joshua Palacios is giving you about a 265 on base with no power. So these have been rough. And for the Washington Nationals, it's a top 10 team with regards to batting average. Just really not a lot of pop. You've got Keeper Ruiz, CJ Abrams between 15 and 17 home runs apiece. Wayne Thomas has gone deep north of 20 times as he enjoyed Manessas. In between about a 275 to 285. And then you do have quite a few guys like Luis Garcia, Dominic Smith, I had mentioned Abrams and Ruiz. These are guys in between about a 250 to a 262. So they do an okay job of being able to move the line. But I do think that the overall pitching depth is better with the Pittsburgh Pirates and for you on it own. The Nationals have actually been highly profitable when he's been on the mound this year. He's really been doing it in smoke and mirrors, though. He's not been able to get a lot of strikeouts. He still has been giving up above 2.6 blocks per nine innings. He's really worked on that, but he's got a 5.56 ERA, 4.61 fielding, depending on what, 1.3 home runs for nine innings allowed. Team has won four and one in his last five starts at five and one in his six starts overall. I just can't see this with lasting. So it is a spot where I'm going to lay up to a minus 130 with the Buckos plus 132 higher. Looking at the dance and then a nine or less going to be taking a look at the over nine and a half higher to the under. 953, 954 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves are on the road facing off against the Philadelphia Phillies. Zach Whelan and Dylan Wheeler is on the bump for the Phillies and Max Fried is on the bump for the Braves. Braves are Favorites of any between minus 114 to minus 121. Meanwhile, in between plus 106 to plus 110 is your number on the Phillies. In half is the total. Over and under are both at minus 110. I did set my total at an 8.8. I am going to be looking at the over and I did make the Braves a minus 129 favorite. If you look at the peripheral numbers, Zach Wheeler has been quite unlucky this year, to say the least. With Zach Wheeler, he's got an ERA that is a 349, but the fielding independent, that is currently below 3. He's got a 1.047 width that leads qualifying National League starters. 10.2 strikeouts and 1.7 walks per 9 innings, but now he does have to face off against an Atlanta Braves team that you've got each of your top 5 hitters within this lineup giving you at least 29 home runs. 
They just don't provide any sort of breaks whatsoever. Like, they're bottom of the full guys like in Orlando Arcia has a double-figure amount of homers and a 330 on base. Got some like an Eddie Rosario who's pounded out 21 home runs, and he's one of the worst hitters on the team. And over the last three days, he's got a 411 on base. I mean, you get no breaks whatsoever with regards to his team. Ronald Acuna Jr. might go for a 40 in 60 years, so it is really, really rough to face off against Sam Edelson and some more RBI than anyone else in the league. And for the Phillies, all of a sudden, Kyle Schwarber's hitting 200, but what he's really out there for is his power. 43 home runs this season going into the double hitter that we saw yesterday. He had pounded out a home run in eight out of his last 13 games. He has really been able to catch some fire. Speaking of catching some fire, about what Trey Turner down for what has been able to do going into the doubleheader yesterday. Nine home runs in his last 14 games. Bryce Harper's been able to pick it up with the greatest power. And some of these guys like Bryce Harper, Brandon Marsh, even someone like a Bryson Stott. These are guys that have been able to do a nice job hitting above a 285. In the case of Harper, very nearly a 400 on base with the Philadelphia Phillies as well. Bullpen has been relatively solid, but we have seen Sir Anthony Dominguez have some makeups the last few days. Getting back Jose Alvarado is very big as for Alvarado. He's been able to post up a sub-2 ERA this far this season. Junior Marte, they're getting him back off of the injury list. We shall see how he's able to do because during the month of July, he was posting up a sub-3-5 ERA. Was really starting to round into form after a rough start to the season. Craig Kimbrell it has been a little bit up and down, but all in all, he's been able to have a nice year. And for the Atlanta Braves, this actually is... The uh, number one team in the National League with regards to ERA entering into yesterday's doubleheader. There have been so many guys that have been able to supply a sub-3-5 ERA. Like uh, Michael Tonkin, obviously the closer in Rossi Iglesias, Joe Menez, Kirby Yates. They've all been doing it for the team. Pierce Johnson ever since they picked him up for the Rockies as sub-3 ERA as well. And for Max Free, he's been pretty solid ever since coming off of the injured list. Giving up three runs or fewer in all but one of the stars ever since his return. And Max Reed has always been a relatively solid road pitcher. This year, a 173 road ERA, 5-0 record over the course of his seven stars, allowing one home run in 36 and a third innings. Now, I do think that we're going to see a little bit of regression with this. And for Max Freed, he's a solid swing and miss guy. He's not someone that is going to be like giving you like 12 strikeouts in a game or anything like that. But take a look at what he's been able to do this season. Nine strikeouts to two walks for nine innings, 270 ERA. About a three-fielding independent, but both of these offenses have been clicking in all cylinders. Both of these teams had to pitch 18-plus innings yesterday, so I do think that the bullpen's being taxed. I'm going to allow for these offenses a feast. I set my total at an 8.8, looking at the over. And with the Braves, I just think that they have more firepower in this spot. Made them the minus 129 favorite, so looking at the Bravos and taking a look at this total over 955-956 on the bank board. The years and the Diamondbacks are on the road facing off against the New York Metropolitans. Ryan Nelson goes for the Saints, and is old Doobie Determined, who is on the bump for the Mets. Right now, I'm seeing an opener of DraftKings with the Mets a minus 115 favorite. Minus 105 is your number on Arizona with a total of 9.5, with the over at minus 115 and the under at minus 105. And the assumed starter in this one is Jose Buto. And if you get Jose Buto in this spot, I am going to be all over the Arizona Diamondbacks with this projected starting pitching matchup. I made the Diamondbacks a minus 136. Jose Buto in his last start out against the Washington Nationals actually looked relatively solid, but that is against the Washington Nationals. So we need to temper our expectations just a little bit with Buto. He has spent a little bit of time at the big league level this year. Three starts, five total appearances, 386 ERA, 450 fielding independent with 6.4 walks per nine innings. 
Hard to take much from a sample size of 21 innings. So you go to the minor league level. He was giving you about four and a half innings to start. 19 starts, 91 total innings. He had his walks issues there. And this is in Syracuse, the independent league. This is not a juice ball league or anything like that. 1.7 home runs allowed per nine innings. Eight strikeouts and 4.8 walks per nine innings with a 593 ERA. I just don't see how this translates. Now, the Arizona Diamondbacks, they have been one of your more rough offenses in the big leagues post-All-Star break. They have been a bottom 12 team with regards to runs per game ever since the break, but you still do have a fearsome foursome that involves a trio of guys with between 21 and 24 home runs. Entering into yesterday, Corbin Carroll, Ketel Marte of the Marte Parte, and Lourdes Goriel. And then you've got Christian Walker, who's been able to pound out 30-plus home runs with Walker. He's been able to supply about a 340 on base. Marte and Carroll, north of a 355 on base with Carroll. Being able to provide north of 40 stolen bases this season. The former man of Tommy Pham, he's had his ups and downs ever since he got to Arizona with the Arizona the Diamondbacks. He's been seeing a little bit of a dip in what he did from the month of July, but still has been able to give you about a 250 or so average with a little bit of pop. Meanwhile, for the New York Mets, they've got the lowest team batting average out at home of any team in the National League. You just have so many guys at the bottom of the fold that have been killing this team. Mark Ventinos, Jonathan Oruz, Brett Batty, guys like this, Tim McCastro, hitting a 220 or lower have been rough now. I will say, DJ turned it up, Stewart. He has been able to provide something for this team. Hitting darn near 300 with 10 home runs over the last three days. Pete Alonso has been, been able to do a nice job pounding out those home runs 43 thus far this season over the last three days. He's been able to provide about a 350 on base. Not see the world's greatest batting average, but finds a way to be able to move the line. Francisco Alvarez, though, we've seen him go down the toilet bowl and for the New York Mets. It has been a very rough state of affairs with regards to this bullpen. You've got Brooks Rayleigh who's able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA, but really other than that, you don't have a lot of guys that are able to provide for this team as you got guys like Trevor Gott, Grant Hartwig, Drew Smith. You go down the list of guys with north of a 4-5 ERA, and it's pretty rampant. Meanwhile, for the Arizona Diamondbacks, this has been a bottom-5 team with regards to bullpen ERA ever since the All-Star break. Likes of Luis Frias, Miguel de Castro, Jose Ruiz, providing north of a 4-5 ERA. This season has been rough. Scott McGough has been all over the place. I like Kyle Nelson, but yeah, that's not necessarily too terrific either. But for Ryan Nelson, this man has been a master at being able to pitch on the road this season. I have no idea what it is with Ryan Nelson as overall for the season. He's got a 5.30 ERA. He's been giving up about 1.7 home runs. For nine innings, but when he's on the road, he looks like a solid pitcher. 8.59 home ERA, 3.18 road ERA. On the road, he gives up about 1.2 home runs per nine innings. Opponents hit a 2.32 off of him. They hit a 3.64 off of him at home with his home runs per nine rate at home being more round two. I am willing to trust in Ryan Nelson in the spot. I do think that this is going to be a little bit of a higher scoring game. So if we do get that 8.5 total, I'm going to be willing to take it over. I set my total at a 9.4. I'm the Diamondbacks in Buto versus Nelson would be willing to lay up to a minus 135 on that money line. 957, 958 on the betting board. The Miami Marlins are on the road facing off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Freddie Peralta goes for the crew and is old undecided on the bump for Miami. This is a game that is off the board. And with regards to this, I think that it's going to be Edward Cabrera that pitches either in a bulk role or as a starter. And if you do get Cabrera versus Freddie Peralta, set the Brewers at a minus 162. And 
With the total, I'd be looking at an 8 or less to the over an 8.5 higher to the under. We have seen Edward Cabrera pitching a bulk roll before we saw it last week. And is north of 5 walks per 9 innings are concerned. He's able to get lots of swings and misses. And he's going to be backed up by a Miami Marlins bullpen. That has been about league average ever since the trade deadline. Not going to get too much more into Edward Cabrera since he's not confirmed quite yet. But with regards to this Miami Marlins bullpen that we are going to be seeing quite a bit of, they've just... Had their ups and downs ever since David Robertson has joined the team. He's got north of a 5 ERA in a Miami Marlins uniform. We've seen A.J. Puck be a little bit over the place. But though, I will say, like of Andrew Nardi, Stephen Oker, George Soriano, these have been guys giving you a sub-375 ERA. So, but they will get a little bit of something on that front. But for the Miami Marlins, having Sandy Alcantara on the injured list has been hurting the overall pitching. And what is bigger than that is Ori Soler and his 35 home runs. Being out of the fold as well. The Miami Marlins are a top seven team with regards to batting average, but Luisa Rice just has not been the same player ever since the All Star break. Since the All Star break, hitting below a 300, he just has not really been able to find his footing ever since the beginning of the month of August. You do have plenty of guys that have been able to do a solid job for the team. Josh Bell, Jake Berger, a pair of guys that they picked up at the trade deadline. You've got these guys with a combined 15 home runs, both being able to give you north of 340 on base. That's been a nice breath of life, but Nick Fortes, Jacob Stallings, Yuli Gurriel, Joey Wendell, ever since the All-Star break, these guys are all hitting at 220 or lower, so got your issues there. Meanwhile, for the Milwaukee Brewers, ever since the trade deadline, the team has been averaging just below five runs per contest with Willie Adamas being able to pick it up. Adamas leads the team with 24 home runs over the last three days. The on-base percentage has been more around a 330 overall for the season, just below 300, so that has been a very welcome sign. You've got William Contreras along Christian Yelich, both being able to combine a combined 32 home runs. So Christian Yelich currently in and out of the fold due to some back issues. I know that he was out yesterday, so if you want to be checking in there, I would lean towards him being out of the fold, and that was attributed with regards to this line. But Sal Freelick has been able to give you about a 365 on base. And for the Brewers, you've got a nice fearsome foursome with this bullpen as Joe Pyount, Hobie Milner, Abner, Uribe, and then the closer, and Devin Williams. They've all been able to do a tremendous job with a sub-240 ERA a piece entering into the series. Now, when you get into the likes of Trevor McGill, Andrew Chafin, it does get to be a little bit more of a roll of the dice. But with Freddie Peralta, this guy is back, and this guy is back in full force. And he has been at his best at home. He's got about a 360 home area, more like a 430 ERA on the road. And I mean, those numbers, they don't really do it justice. So what he's been able to do recently, recently, over his last 10 or so starts, he has been able to give you north of 11.5 strikeouts for nine innings. And things really got cooking ever since the latter part of July. You date this back to July 26th, last eight starts. The team is 7-1 and one in these starts. He's got a 209 ERA with a 197 fielding dependent. He has allowed three runs or fewer in every one of these starts. He has really been pitching his best. So if you do get Freddie Peralta against Edward Cabrera, I would be saying the Brewers more around about a minus 161 on the money line. Would be able to take a plus 120 or higher on that run line. We need at least plus 163 to dive in on the fish. And then eight or less looking at the over eight and a half prior to the under. This is my DK Network right at pick. 959-960 on the betting board. It is the Colorado Rockies playing against the Chicago Cubs. Javier Assad goes for the Cubs and... 
Chris Flexen is on the bump for Colorado. Total on this game is anywhere between 11.5 and 12. On the 11.5, over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. On the 12, under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. Anywhere between minus 173 to minus 185. Your number on the Cubs, anywhere between plus 154 to plus 163. Your number on the Colorado Rockies. And if you are looking at that Cubs run line, Going to be laying anywhere between about a minus 120 to a minus 125. I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 145 with regards to this Cubs run line. But all right, a pick as on the over. Whether you've got an 11 half or a 12, I like it as I set my total at a 12.9. Avier Assad is very much doing for regression. And you give credit where credit is due to Mr. Assad as he has been able to do a nice job holding it down. In seven starts, he's got a sub-250 ERA since being elevated into the starting rotation. But that said, it comes with a fielding independent of a 461. He's been giving up 1.3 home runs for nine innings. A 237 opponent's batting average on balls in play is not sustainable. And now you head to Coors Field. So I do have my concerns there. Getting just 5.7 strikeouts for nine innings. He's still a whole heck of a lot better than Chris Flexen, though. Chris Flexen overall for the season and his time with Seattle, which has about the most pitcher-friendly ballpark that you're going to find in the big leagues, along with the Colorado Rockies. He's got an ERA that is hovering right around about a 7.30. He's been giving up 3.6 walks at 2.6 home runs for nine innings, and then he's backed up by a bullpen that, entering into Monday, they, since the beginning of the month of August, have a 7.59 bullpen ERA. A 7.59 with Daniel Bard posting up a north of 9 ERA. Ever since the All-Star break, Justin Lawrence has went straight down the toilet bowl. Brent Suter's not what he was at the beginning of the season. Jake Bird has north of a 6 ERA post-All-Star break. These guys have all just completely stunk for this team. And now they have to go up against the Chicago Cubs team that ever since the All-Star break they are the second highest scoring team in the National League, ranking number three in batting average and ranking number three with regards to total home runs with this Cubs lineup. When they don't have Patrick Wisdom in the starting lineup, which they do from time to time, every single one of these guys in the starting lineup typically has North of a 310 on base. And then you have a nice balance of power. Cody Bellinger is your main man, 25 home runs, 320 batting average, North of a 350 on base. He's got the most home runs on the team, but then you have likes of Dansby Swanson, Chris Formorell, Jameer Candelario, Patrick Wisdom, all with between about 19 to 21 home runs. Candelario dealing with a little bit of an ailment, which is why you might see a little bit more Patrick Wisdom in this series. But all in all, you don't get a break in this lineup. Meanwhile, for the Colorado Rockies, they obviously have home and roads plus. 268 batting average at home, 229 batting average on the road. Actually, the Red Sox have a bigger divide with that regard, but among National League teams, the batting average it is the biggest split that you're going to find in the National League. You've had Ryan McMahon be able to provide 22 home runs for this team, and then you do have the likes of Ezekiel Tovar, Nolan Jones, Elias Diaz between 14 and 15 home runs. No doubt about it, it is a little bit of a rough lineup, but they do get Charlie Blackman in the fold. He does a good job being able to move line for this team. Elias Montero has some of the biggest home and road splits that you are going to find in the big leagues as well with Montero. Yeah, on the road has been hitting about a 225 with his on base and a buck 82 batting average at home, 323 batting average and a 370 on base. <laughs> that is something to take a look at for the Cubs ever since the beginning of the month of July. They've been right around 13th in the big leagues with regards to their bullpen ERA as well. They're now promoting Luke Little up to the big leagues because they've been dealing with that Michael Fulmer injury, which Michael Fulmer might be available in this series. You do want to check in on that. As long as Brian Boxberger's been out of the full 
for quite a while. Jose Quas has been able to supply a sub-2 ERA since he got to the team, but you do have guys like Danny Valencia that could be a little bit up and down. Adam Wisniewski has been utilized as a bullpen piece as well, and when you get to Coors Field, things just get nutty in general. Certainly, I think that the Cubs pound the tar out of Chris Plex, and he has been arguably the worst pitcher in the big leagues all season long, and yes, I recognize that folks like Jordan Lyles and company do exist, which is why I want to lay up to a minus 145 on that Cubs run line. So look at there, my DK Network right up pick. I think you've got 11 half for 12. Looking at the over, 961-962 on the bang board. The San Diego Padres at third face off against the LA Dodgers. Lance Lynn goes for the Dodgers. Michael Waka goes for the Padres. The Padres are underdogs of anywhere between plus 130 to plus 140. Anywhere between minus 148 to minus 162 is your number on the Dodgers. 9.5 is the total. Under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. If you're looking at that Dodgers run line, going to be getting that anywhere between plus 124 to a plus 127. The plus 127 is my buy point. I needed at least a plus 126 to be able to dive in there on the Dodgers money line. I only set that at a minus 148. I typically have a smaller gap between money line and run line just because with the LA Dodgers, when this team wins, this team wins by multiple runs. As thus far this season, the LA Dodgers have won 87 games. All but 14 of them have been by multiple runs, and now you've got Mookie Betts back in the fold. He's been able to supply 38 home runs. He has been, ever since the month of August, hitting well above a 375. It has been incredible to watch, and for the Padres, this is just looking like a dead team right now. They enter into the series 67-77. and 77. How they struggled like this. We were banking on them getting online all year. It's just absolutely remarkable, and I do have a little bit of an explanation for it. The bottom of the fold just was not able to help some of these guys out. Now, I will say that big three, Manny Machado, Fernando Tatis Jr., Juan Soto, they have had their struggles ever since the All-Star break as all three of these guys are hitting a 242 or lower. Fernando Tatis Jr., post All-Star break, a 288 on base with seven home runs. That's not cutting it. Manny Machado, 325 on base, 235 average with 11 home runs. You just expect a little bit more there. Juan Soto about a 360 on base. He has been in a funk recently, but... If you look at the entirety of the team, ever since the All-Star break, when you've trotted them out there, it's been a small sample size, but Ben Gamble, Matt Carpenter, Trent Grisham, these guys all in below 200, Brandon Dixon, Rudnett Odor, when you've had these guys out there at the bottom of the fold, they haven't provided anything. I actually like what Luis Campusano has been able to do at the catcher's spot. That has been good, and Gary Sanchez doesn't have for average, but he's been able to hit a couple homers. Gary Cooper was able to bring a little bit of balance to this lineup, but having that big divide between the haves and the have-nots with regards to this lineup has been hurting the San Diego Padres, along with the bullpen, going from one of the best in the big leagues the first two or so months of the season to being relatively league average, just haven't had a great year out of Robert Suarez, who's got north of a 5 year Luis Garcia has been better in the back half of the season, but too little, too late there. Scott Barlow has north of a 4-5 ERA. So even though you've got Josh Hader, you don't have a great bullpen. And for the LA Dodgers, since the beginning of the month of July, their bullpen ERA is about a half a point better than any other teams in the big leagues. As you got a nice big three. Evan Phillips, Caleb Ferguson, Bursardo Gradraw, all being able to supply to sub-275 ERA. Ryan Brazier, since getting to LA, has been able to give you a sub-2 ERA. Now, they employ Wander. I swear, oh, this guy sucks. So you don't want any part of him, but... That said, it's been a very good bullpen. They're getting back Shelby Miller as well, so I do like the upside there. And for Michael Walker, he's been able to do a solid job this season, but it feels like it's built a little bit on sand. As for Michael Walker, is fielding independent and his ERA, it's a differential of darn near a point. For Walker, it's not like he's a bad strikeout guy, but 
He's not necessarily blowing you away. 8.2 strikeouts at 3.1 walks for 9 innings, 299 ERA, 393 fielding defense, while giving up about one home run per 9 innings, but has been quite fortunate on balls in play. Opponents running at 264 on balls in play. His career average is right around about at 298. Meanwhile, for Lance Lynn, I do think that he is certainly going to be giving up some runs as well. We have seen some serious regression with our good friend Mr. Lynn over the last two starts giving up a combined 15 runs and 9 innings against the Braves and the Miami Marlins. For Lance Lynn, ever since he has gotten L.A., his ERA has been at 495 with a 6-6-6 fielding dependent, giving up 2.7 home runs for 9 innings. Between his time with the White Sox and the Dodgers, he has been allowing 2.3 home runs for 9 innings. So, I take a look at Lance Lynn, and I do think that he is going to be getting lit up as well. So, I think that this is going to be a higher scoring game. So, by total 9.7, looking at the overhand with the Dodgers at a plus 126 or greater, going to be looking at laying that run line. 963-964 on the betting board. The Texas Rangers at the road. They're facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays. Hunjin Ryu is on the bump for the Jays, and Mad Max Scherzer is on the bump for Texas, and Texas is back to being a very slight underdog. It's between minus 105 and minus 112 that you're finding the Blue Jays at. Meanwhile, between minus 103 to minus 110 is your number on Texas, 8 to 8.5 is the total on the 8 over is minus 120, the under is even on the 8.5, under is minus 120, and the over is even, and with Texas, I made them a plus 106 underdog, I was willing to lay up to a minus 106 with the Blue Jays, we're seeing a minus 105 out there. That is the max I'm willing to lay. I pretty much made this close to a pick of myself. The Rangers, they have been mirroring in mediocrity the last few weeks. They got a pair of wins going into Toronto, but they were also against the Oakland A's. And for Max Scherzer, last start was very much less than savory for him. He gives up seven runs in three innings against the Houston Astros. But still, ever since he got to Texas, he has looked like a little bit of a different pitcher. 363 ERA. His strikeouts per nine rate has been well above 10, so I actually do think that this is a little bit of a new and improved Max Scherzer, even with that bad start. He still has been able to do a little bit of a better job of keeping the ball in the yard as well. Meanwhile, for Hunjin Ryu, this man is all about control, and he's all about just not hurting himself. As for Hunjin Ryu, five home runs allowed across his seven starts, 34 innings in total, and he's got a walks per nine rate that is in the neighborhood of about two he has given up two earned runs or fewer in every one of his last six starts as well. So he's done a nice job holding down the fort when he's been at home. He's actually got a worse ERA than he does on the road. But this is due to a small sample size, and that was due to his first start, which was a little bit rocky against the Orioles being at home. But for the Blue Jays, it's actually been a pretty pedestrian offensive season. I do think that it is going to be picking up. Really like what David Schneider has been able to do going into yesterday. Getting a home run every about 10 and after 11 at bat, sitting at 370 with a 500 on base. I do think that we are going to see that dip down just a little bit, but very encouraging signs for him. And then just have a team in general with a lot of guys between about a 325 to a 345 on base. Kevon Biggio, Alejandro Kirk, George Springer, Kevin Kiermeyer, Bobichev, Lager Jr. all in that fold with Bichette along with Lager Jr. Being your main two home run hitters, both of these guys giving you between 18 to 21 home runs. Brandon Belts has been able to do a nice job being a move line as well, but just been a meh offense. Meanwhile, for the Texas Rangers, Adolis Garcia and Josh Young being out of the fold really hurt this team. Two out of your top four home run hitters. Meanwhile, with so many of these guys, you still have a batting average north of a 275 with 14 plus home runs with likes of Ezekiel Duran, Nate Lowe, Marcus Simeon all being able to do so. Mitch Garver is able to give you about a 385 on base as well. And Corey Seager just continues to hit north of a 335 with a 400 on base with 30 plus home runs. So he's on his part, but the bullpens are the big divide here. With the Texas Rangers, this is a bottom eight team with regards to bullpen ERA. 
Jose LeClerc, along with Aroldo Chapman, I believe, will give you some 3 5 ERA, but Brock Burke has been acting up a little bit. You've had some issues with Will Smith as the closer as well. Cody Bradford is a long guy, it's not too terrific. And then for the Blue Jays, the likes of AJ Jackson, Jordan Romano, Tim Meza, they've been able to give you a sub 3 3 ERA. They are currently without Eric Swanson, but Jordan Nix, who they picked up at the trade deadline, has been able to do a solid job. Yimmy Garcia has had his issues all season long, but he seems to be rounding in a form as well. So this is a spot where at a minus 105 or better, I'm going to be willing to take a shot on the Blue Jays. And did set my total at 8.6. I do think that we are going to be starting to see Max Scherzer give up a few more runs moving forward. I do think that a little bit of regression is doing for Anjin Ryu as well. Not too much of a high strikeout guy going against the Rangers team that, even with their ailments, still have a solid offense. So looking at the over at a minus 105 or better with the Blue Jays. 965-966 on the main board. The New York Yankees are on the road facing off against Boston Red Sox. Nick Pavetta goes for the Sox. Carlos Rodon is on the bump for the Yankees. The Yankees are anywhere between plus 102 to plus 108 underdogs. Between minus 117 to minus 124 is your number on Boston. 9 to 9.5 is the total on the 9. Overs minus 120. The unders even on the 9.5. Unders between minus 115 to a minus 120. Then overs anywhere between even and minus 105. I did set the Red Sox at a minus 132. I'm going to be one to back them. I just can't put any stock into the past numbers of Carlos Rodon because this is some dude in a Carlos Rodon uniform masquerading as him. The injuries have made this not be the Carlos Rodon that we all know and love. Now, he's looked a little bit better recently. Haven't given up two runs or fewer and three out of his last four starts, but his last start against Detroit at home, he gets completely walloped for seven runs in three and two-thirds innings. He's given up four walks per nine innings. That's like the worst numbers that he's had since he was very early on in his career. He's getting eight strikeouts for nine innings. This is just not the Carlos Rodon that we all know and love, as he's got a 648 fielding independent, a 660 ERA. I mean, it's just really sad to watch. And then you take a look at the flip side for Nick Pavetta. You do want an opener to go for Nick Pavetta, and I would be willing to adjust this a few cents if the uh, Red Sox just throw any sort of an opener for Nick Pavetta because you take a look at the season-long numbers. He's got a 445 fielding independent, 454 ERA. He has been able to get 11.5 strikeouts per nine innings, but you could just tell that Nick Pavetta is one of those guys that's more comfortable coming out of the bullpen, and there are times where the opener just does Jack Diddley squat for a guy, and there are times where it actually has some significance to it. This actually has significance as, as a starter, Nick Pavetta, a 587 ERA, he is giving up well north of two home runs per nine innings out of the bullpen. More like 1.2 home runs per nine innings and a 3.070 ERA with his strikeout to walk rate improving by nearly a full strikeout to every walk when he is utilized as a bulk guy slash a bullpen piece rather than as a starter. And if you take a look at the home and road splits as well, for Nick Pavetta, he's got a 505 home ERA compared to a 405 ERA on the road, actually getting more strikeouts per nine innings. When he's on the road, the strikeout-to-walk ratio on the road is more than two strikeouts to every walk better as well, and he's giving up fewer home runs per nine innings. But the good news for Pavetta, if he is thrown as the starter in this game, is that he's backed up by a lineup that has been absolutely ripping the cover off the ball for the Boston Red Sox. They had played like 90% of their last 23 games over the total going into yesterday. It's been absolutely ridiculous as this team leads the big leagues with regards to home batting average. Rafael Devers has seen a little bit of a dip with regards to his power, but he still has been able to supply 29 home runs. He's still been able to give you north of a 270 batting average 
overall for the season. Jaron Duran being out of the fold is rough because Trevor Story, since coming off the injured list, he has been by far the worst hitter for the Boston Red Sox. But Tristan Casas, Justin Turner, a pair of guys giving you north of a 350 on base, both giving you 22 plus home runs. Alex Verdugo, he is clearly one of those guys that is a big reason for the Boston Red Sox. Big home and Rose Place for Verdugo at home this season. He's been able to give you about a 350 on base. He's been giving you more around a 325 when he's been on the road. He's actually been significantly better with those splits over the last few weeks. And setting this total is a little bit tricky because I mentioned all the bad of Carlos Rodon. I mentioned how the Red Sox are ripping the cover off the ball. Even with the Yankees seeing a little bit of a drop with regards to some of their bullpen pitching, they still are number one in the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA. Michael King is obviously no longer in that bullpen, but have the likes of Clay Holmes, Jonathan Lewisic, uh, Wandy Peralta, Tommy Canely, when you've had him, Ian Hamilton, as he's been dealing with a little bit of an injury. All these guys, they have been able to give you a sub-3-4 ERA. Meanwhile, for Boston, it's a relatively league-average bullpen, as Brandon Bernardino has been able to supply a sub-3 ERA. Chris Martin has actually given you a sub-150 ERA. He's been tremendous. Josh Winkowski, John Schreiber, they've been able to do a solid job in this bullpen as well. And then for the New York Yankees, ever since June 4th, that was the first day that they were dealing with the injury to uh, Aaron Judge when he got injured in that Los Angeles Dodgers series. They're inning as a collective less than a 218. They're averaging about 3.8 runs per contest. Dead last in the big leagues. So I'll have some thumping power with the team as Judge, who's back at the full, John Carlos Stanton, Glaber Torres, Anthony Volpe have all been able to give you at least 20 home runs, but with Stanton and Volpe, they're both hitting a 212 or worse going into the series, and they're not alone as Oswaldo Cabrera, Oswaldo Peraza throwing their Ben Roadfit, Austin Wells, Everson Pereira. All these guys are hitting a 215 or lower. Yasan Dominguez was starting to give the team something. He then gets injured. He's out for the season, so it's really been a lot of issues. For the New York Yankees, as a result, this is a total that I set at a 9.8, getting the 9 to 9.5 that I'm seeing right now. I'm going to be willing to go over the total, and with the Boston Red Sox, willing to lay up to a minus 132 on that money line. And if this sounds like an insert, that's because it is, because now it is a doubleheader between these two, and apparently it'll actually be Nick Pavetta going up against Randy Vasquez, and then it will be Cutter Crawford, who is going to be facing off against Carlos Rodon, and I with Cutter Crawford filling in for Nick Pavetta, honestly, I'd probably be upgrading the Boston Red Sox by about five cents there, and in terms of getting Nick Pavetta against Randy Vasquez, I'd probably be going more around about a minus 145 or so with regards to the Boston Red Sox on this line. I'm going to need to do a little bit more of a deep dive as to how much we can expect out of Randy Vasquez, but I know that they've been throwing him out of the bullpen. It's been overall an okay start, and I don't think that the difference between Randy Vasquez and Carlos Rodon is quite as big as you might think it's going to be, because with Vasquez, it's probably going to be a poo-poo platter of pitchers for the New York Yankees with regards to the bullpen. Now, I did have a DK Network write-up pick with regards to Red Sox versus Yankees on Monday. It is a little bit TBD if I'm going to be sticking with that or not. Honestly, with regards to Cutter Crawford against Carlos Rodon, if we get the 9-9.5 that I'm seeing, I might actually go with an over in that spot. But that said, with regards to this doubleheader, with Vasquez versus Pavetta, would probably be going more around a minus 145 with the Red Sox and more around about a minus 132, a minus 135 with Carter Crawford against Carlos Rodon. If we get the Crawford versus Rodon total, seeing being right around the 9 to a 9.5, going to be looking at the over. And then with regards to Randy Vasquez against Nick Pavetta, this will be another spot where 
I would be setting my total to where it would probably be in this spot more like a 10 or less to the over and a 10 and a half or higher to the under. 967, 968 on the betting board. The Tampa Bay Rays are on the road facing off against the Minnesota Twins. Joe Ryan goes for the Twins and Zach Little hopes to come up big for the Rays as the Rays find themselves as modest underdogs. They are any between plus 110 to a plus 117. Meanwhile, in between minus 125 to minus 130 is your number on Minnesota. 8 to 8.5 is the total on the 8 over is minus 125 and the under is plus 105 on the 8.5. The under is minus 120 and the over is even. And when it comes to the Twins, I did set them as a favorite of a minus 127 and I do think that you're going to get a little bit more scoring in this game. For the Tampa Bay Rays, we have been noticing that it's been a bullpen that has been starting to wear down a little bit with all the injuries that they've had to overcome. Jeffrey Springs being out for the entirety of the season. Josh Fleming being out for quite a while. Now you've got Jason Adam in that bullpen. Deal with a little bit of an injury. You saw the likes of Colin Boucher, Pete Fairbanks. They pick up Jake Diekman off the Australia. PP's been relatively solid for the team, but all in all, raised ever since the beginning of the month of July. They're 12th in the league with the guards bullpen. Right? The Twins have actually been 18th, but the Twins do not have killed Theo Barbag in the fold. He's been able to supply a sub-275 year since coming off the injury list. Yohan Doran, he's probably going to be the best closer in this game, but then you do have quite a few guys like a Thunderbird, who's got a very great name out there in the bullpen. That's been a little bit of an issue. But for Zach Little, you've got to be wondering how sustainable it is that he's able to do this. And it's a bit more sustainable with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays, who have done an incredible job of making these guys that are career relievers into starters as for Zach Little when he's been with the Tampa Bay Rays. He's got a 480 array, a 412 fielding pennant, and this is just unbelievable. He has thrown 68 and a third innings with the Tampa Bay Rays. He has allowed six walks in 68 and a third innings. Like, we talk about George Kirby and his command. Zach Little is actually better with regards to his command as a starter for the Tampa Bay Rays than George Kirby has been. It's absolutely insane. And ever since Zach Little really got pushed into the rotation, that was on July 30th. He has been able to give this team a grand total of eight starts in the science span 386 ERA, four walks and 46 and two-thirds innings, 431 field independent as he has been allowing red round. We'll play four home runs per nine innings, and I do think that that could be his undoing in this spot. As for the Minnesota Twins, you do have four separate guys. Maybe I will pound at least 18 home runs for the team. Joey Callow, Max Kepler, Michael A. Taylor, they're in the Carlos Correa as well. Really, other than Kepler, you don't have a guy hitting above a 230 with regards to these gentlemen, but you do have plenty of guys that they find a way on base as Royce Lewis is hitting about a 315. He's got 11 home runs at 185 at pass in his own right, but he, Alex Curlaw, Ryan Jeffers, Donovan Solano, Edward Julian, all giving him at least a 350 on base. That's been a big reason why the Twins have been a top four team in the American League with regards to runs per game ever since the All-Star break. And despite Wander Franco being out of the fold, the Tampa Bay Rays have seven different guys that have been able to supply at least 18 home runs as far this season. All but two of these guys entered in the series, hitting at least a 250 for the team as well with Isak Paredes being able to give you about a 355 on base. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, they've done a pretty solid job of being able to hit righties as far this season for Paredes. Among its home runs, 25 of them have come against right-handed pitching overall for the season. The Tampa Bay Rays, they're in about a 258 against lefties, 260 against lefties. Typically, you're going to find a little bit of a bigger split than that. So they've been able to do a very sustainable job with most of their power coming against righties. And for Joe Ryan, that is the one concern that you do have with him. He has been giving up the deep ball 
all season long as for Joe Ryan, he is up darn near two home runs for nine innings this far this season, but has been a significantly better home pitcher than a road pitcher. 377 home area, 467 area on the road. At home, giving up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings, and at home, he has been able to get north of 11 strikeouts per nine innings on the road. That falls to about 9.7 to 9.8 strikeouts per nine innings. Home runs per nine right on the road is well north of two, and for Joe Ryan, his three starts back off the injured list. Four runs allowed in 15 innings, so I am willing to trust in the Minnesota Twins in this spot. I was willing to go up to a minus 127, so seeing about a minus 125 or so, I'm going to be willing to side with the Twins on the money line. I do think that we get a little bit of higher scoring game, so I might it at 8.7, so also going to be taking a look at the over. 969-970 is going to be in conjecture with, it appears, 983-984 on the betting board. It is the Kansas City Royals facing off against the Chicago White Sox. We have got a pair of games that currently are listed as to be determined against to be determined. So this is something that is completely off the board. They're making things very, very fun for us. But as I check MOB.com, it looks like one of these games is going to be Jordan Lyles versus Suki Dusan. And the other game is going to be Brady Singer against Stone Cease. We will do the Cease versus Singer game first since this is what we were supposed to get on Monday. And my numbers are really not going to change. I set the White Sox at a minus 127 and made my total to where an 8 or less. Going to be taking a look at the over a 9 or higher to the under when this game was taken off the board and was postponed. We were seeing that total at an 8.5 shaded up to the over. And between about a minus 128 to a minus 132 was your number on the White Sox. We saw a low minus 142 at DraftKings. So if we get that down by about a penny or two, I'll be willing to side with the White Sox. And I will be taking a look at that over. Both of these pitchers met up about a week or so ago. And both of these guys have been a little bit unlucky with their fielding independence. As you've got a pair of gentlemen in Dylan Cease and Brady Singer that they look to be... Uh, Relative frontline starters for this team, but they both have had their struggles all season long. Both of these guys have north of a 450 ERA. Both of these guys gave up a lot of home runs in their last start, but overall for the season, they're both giving up about one home run per nine innings. With Dylan Cease, a little bit more of a strikeout guy, but a higher walk guy with Dylan Cease. He has so been able to give you right around about 11 strikeouts per nine innings, but north of four walks per nine innings. That knocks him out of starts very early. 450 home area. Compared to a 547 road ERA, and both of these guys, they do have some pretty demonstrative home and road splits. As when it comes to Brady Singer, he has a 691 road ERA compared to a 435 ERA at home, despite the fact that on the road, he gives up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings. And for Singer on the road, he's been giving up about like 2.7, 2.8 walks per nine innings, but the opponent's batting average rises by nearly 80 or so points. Now, the good news for Brady Singer is that he gets to go up against a Chicago White Sox team that doesn't take their base, but both of these teams don't. Both of these teams entering the last week were the bottom two teams in the big leagues in terms of both walks on a per-at-bat basis. And on top of that, they were 29th and 30th with regards to uh, walks drawn on a per-at-bat basis as well. With regards to the Chicago White Sox, you've got one guy in the roster with north of a 3.23 on base. That'd be Andrew Benatendi as he, Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert. They all have a batting average between a 269 to a 272 with Robert's being found out 35 home runs, but it's really killing this team. It's the bottom of the fold. You've got so many guys like a Gavin Sheets, Answer Alberto, Oscar Colas, Corey Lee, Lennon Sosa. These are all guys in a 220 or lower. And for the Kansas City Royals, they were getting things going with their offense a little bit more than a few weeks ago. I would say just after the All-Star break is when they were really clicking. Bobby Wood Jr., Salvador Perez, and combined 49 home runs for these two guys. And 
with Witt Jr. hitting darn near 300 ever since the All-Star break, but we've got a lot of guys. They're just sort of hitting in that fold of, I would say, about a 232 to 244. Nelson Velasquez, MJ Melendez, Sergio Blanco, Drew Waters, guys like this. And then you got Michael Massey with a 267 on base. These guys really don't move the line very much other than MJ Melendez. These guys have a single-digit amount of homers as well. So you got great concerns on both sides. I would say the White Sox have a little bit of a better bullpen because Sammy Peralta, along with Lane Ramsey, have been able to give you a sub-4 ERA. Gregory Santos has been solid. You saw the schlubs like Jimmy Lambert, Aaron Bummer, and company, but you able to get a little bit of length out of Tanner Banks. And for the Royals, the good news is they can get length out of these bullpen pieces. The bad news is they all suck. I mean, for James MacArthur, Anel Zerpa, Tucker Davidson, Stephen Cruz, Taylor Clark, they all have north of a five-year. Carlos Hernandez has 10 losses out of the bullpen thus far this season. So, I mean, it's really, really rough to take a look at this spot. It is one where it ain't that for less. I'm going to be taking a look at the over like we were seeing, a nine or higher to the under, and I'm willing to lay up to a minus 127 in C's versus Singer. And then, assuming that we do get Tuki Toussaint versus Jordan Lyles like we were supposed to, relatively similar line on the money line. I set the White Sox to where I'm willing to lay up to a minus 134 with them, plus 135 or higher. Looking at the Royals and then nine or less, I'd be looking at an over nine and a half higher to the under. Similar issues for Tuki Dusan as we were seeing with Dylan Cease. With Tuki Dusan, he is giving up darn near six walks per nine innings and that is a big concern that you got with him as for Tuki Dusan, he has been able to give you right around about nine strikeouts for nine innings, so there's something halfway respectable there, but he has really had his issues, and for Jordan Lyles, the Kansas City Royals have won four of his starts as far as the season. I believe that they're officially 4-24 and 24 in his starts. Might be 4-23. and 23. Whatever the amount of starts he's made, subtract four, and that's the amount of losses that he has provided for them. As for Jordan Lyles, he has been a complete and utter nightmare on the road, and he's backed up by a complete and utter nightmare of a bullpen as well. They've had him throw like seven plus innings because there's nobody else that they could turn to, despite the fact that he's got a 5.06 ERA at home, 7.45 ERA on the road. On the road, Lyles has given up about two home runs per nine innings. He's only getting about six strikeouts per nine innings. Fielding dependent is about a half point lower than a 6.24 ERA, but I mean, it's just a mash unit right there. So we need at least plus 135 to take shot on the Royals and then nine or less to the over nine and a half prior to the under. 971, 972 on the main board. The Oakland A's hit the road. They're facing off against the Houston Astros as Justin Verlander goes for the shows and JP Sears is on the bump for Oakland. Oakland is an underdog of any between plus 240 and plus 257. Meanwhile, with the Houston Astros, you're going to be getting them as a Mondo favorite of anywhere between minus 290 to minus 298. Collins games 8.5 over his minus 115. And the under, it is minus 105. And with J.P. Sears, I did need a pretty big number to be able to back him. I needed a plus 266 in total. And if you are taking a look at that Astros run line, I was willing to go up to a minus 138 here. I'm finding it at a minus 135. This is pretty much the high watermark that I'm willing to lay on the run line, but I'm going to be willing to lay the run line with J.P. Sears. I do have to do a little bit more investigative research when it comes to him because he actually leads the big leagues with regards to hit by pitches. So even though he only gives up about 2.3 to 2.4 walks per nine innings, it's also more like 3.2 walks per nine innings when you add in there the hit by pitches, which does make those numbers look a little bit worse. He has been giving up a whole bunch of deep balls, giving up about 1.7 to 1.8 home runs. 
per nine innings. And DP Sears is one of those interesting guys because Oakland is one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks in the big leagues. And he's actually pitched a little bit better on the road than he has at home. 476 home ERA compared to a 430 ERA on the road, giving up more like 1.6 home runs per nine innings when he has been on the road. But has been rough in his last few times out. In his last five starts, he has given up a grand total of 17 runs. So yeah, your issues there in two starts against the Houston Astros, seven runs allowed in 11 and two-thirds innings. And for Houston, this team is number one in the American League with regards to runs per game ever since the beginning of the month of June. And you've got Jordan Alvarez, Kyle Tucker, both entering into the series with 26-plus home runs, both being able to supply at least a 375 on base in their regards to Jordan Alvarez. More like a 415 on base. Jose Altuve has been able to give you a 400 on base. Yanir Diaz has been now hitting for 20-plus home runs. He doesn't necessarily draw a lot of walks, but does a great job moving the line. Even guys like Chaz McCormick, along with Jeremy Pena, they have all been able to pick it up. Michael Brantley is back in the fold for the team as well. It's a very fearsome lineup. And for the Oakland A's, they do average about a half a run more per game when they are on the road rather than when they are at home. I like what I've seen out of Zach Eloff hitting for about a 275. He's been able to pound out 11 home runs. Brent Rooker, among his 23 home runs, all but eight have come on the road. Ryan Noda on the road has been able to give you about a 400 on base. You got more guys that are hitting above a 230 in this lineup. You still do have the guys like Tyler Sodomstrom, Nick Allen, Shea Langolaris, Kevin Smith that are in a 215 or lower. They're currently without J.J. Blade, but I mean the bullpen as well. It's been close to league average ever since the beginning of the month of July. You've got Trevor May who's been able to give you a sub 4-5 ERA. Danny Menace has been able to give this team a few solid innings. Devin Sweet is someone with a little bit of upside, but for the Houston Astros, they do just dominate them in pretty much every facet of baseball. As the Astros, they have the likes of Kendall Graveman, Ryan Presley, Hector Neris, Brian Tabreu, Phil Maton. These guys being able to give you sub 3-5 ERA. You've had Parker Molshinsky, unless he do the world's greatest job for the team. And for Justin Verlander, swinging himself is down. He's been getting fewer than eight strikeouts per nine innings. He's been able to mitigate the deep ball a little bit more with Houston, but I just don't think that the ace are really going to be able to do a whole lot of damage against him. And for J.P. Sears, he has been able to do a little bit of a better job with regards to command, but the hip-high pitches have actually been hurting him quite a bit, and he has been giving up the deep ball quite a bit, both at home and on the road. So I did set my deal at a 9.1. I'm going to be taking a look at the over in this spot, and with the Astros willing to lay the minus 135 on the run line. 973-974 on the betting board. The LA Angels hit the road face-off against the Seattle Mariners. Brian Wu says woohoo to another start, and you've got Patrick Sandoval on the bump. For the Angels, Angels find themselves as underdogs of plus 180. Minus 218 is your number on Seattle. Seven is the total. Over is minus 115. The under is minus 105. And for Seattle, if you're looking to lay a run and a half, you're getting a plus 102 number on that. And with the Angels, I would need at least a plus 190 to be able to fire in there. And I made my buy point on the Mariners' run line a plus 102. I am going to be seeing more numbers as they come out because this is just the initial opener at DraftKings. I do want to let it marinate just a little bit more, but if I had to bet it on these opening numbers, I would take the plus 102 on the Mariners run line, and I would be taking a look at this little over. I did some HL at an 8.6. Brian Wu has been seeing a little bit of a dip with regards to his strikeout numbers, but I do think that it is very important when you do evaluate Brian Wu that you take his first start out of the fold because his first start with the Texas Rangers was very, very strange. He went two innings. Somehow, way, the over on his strikeout prop still cashed despite the fact that he went two innings. But he got six outs and he gave up six runs. Ever since then, he's been a little bit more of a stable pitcher. About a 384 ERA, 429 fielding dependent in this time span. Giving up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings. His walks per nine rate has been right around about 2.8 or so. So, I mean, he's been a so-so pitcher. Nothing great, nothing terrible. And then for Patrick Sandoval, 
This guy's whole narrative is he wants to be able to limit hard contact. For Patrick Sandoval, 0.7 home runs, give it up for nine innings, but 7.9 strikeouts, 4.5 walks per nine innings. It's just a very strange way to go about things. 431 ERA, 410 fielding dependent, and it's been really costing him recently. Five plus runs surrendered in four out of his last five starts. Now, I will say this. In three out of his last five starts, he has allowed at least one unearned run as well. He has been badly hurt by his defense, and that's something that needs to be attributed when you take a look at pretty much any of these LA Angels starters because they have really been let down by their fielding in general. But if you take a look at things ever since the beginning of the month of June, things have been going down the toilet bowl for Mr. Sandoval in the science fan of 495 ERA, giving up six home runs in 76 and a third innings, but just allowing quite a bit of contact in general, giving up quite a few walks as well in the science span. He has been giving up north of five walks for nine innings at for the LA Angels. This is just not the lineup that you know and love. Shoei Otani is out of the fold. Mike Trout is out of the fold. You do have Randy Drury. He's been able to give you 20 home runs. Randall Gritchick overall for the season. Hanging about at 265. But since he's gotten to Los Angeles, sub 275 on base percentage. Earning only about a 200. You get Zach Neto back in the fold. But these guys are hard to recognize. Like you're getting Brett Phillips in the starting lineup. Now a place where you want to be. And then for the Seattle Mariners, they have been a top four team with regards to runs per game in the American League since the All-Star break has you got Julio Rodriguez, Oscar Hernandez, Kyle Raleigh, all being able to give you at least 25 home runs since the beginning of the month of August. You've had Julio Rodriguez hitting north of a 360. His on-base percentage right around about a 430 in that time span. And then you've had J.P. Crawford be able to give you about a 380 on-base. And even some of the lesser guys like Dominic Canzone and company, they've been able to move line a little bit more for the Seattle Manors. It's been a little bit more touch and go with regards to their bullpen recently, but this is still one of the best bullpens that you are going to find in the big leagues. Among your 30 MLB teams, they are currently ranking number five in the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA. You've got the likes of Justin Topa, Taylor Cicado, Trent Thornton, Andres Munoz, Gabe Spire, all being able to give you a sub-375 ERA. And for the LA Angels, you don't have that. The LA Angels are 24th in the big leagues with regards to bullpen ERA overall for the season. And you take a look at things ever since the beginning of the month of July. 616 ERA, that is the worst mark in the big leagues. Matt Moore was really their best bullpen piece. He is now with the Cleveland Guardians. Carlos Estevez has not been able to close out games. You've got the likes of an Aaron Loop with north of a 5 ERA. Jimmy Harrigan is someone that you don't really be want to be trusting in as well. So it is a situation where if you get up north of a plus 190, I guess I would be willing to nibble on the Angels. But at current numbers, we'll be looking at the Seattle Mariners at a plus 102 on the run line. Certainly, I think that Sandoval gives up some runs. Brian Wu has been a pretty ordinary pitcher. So at the 7, we'll be looking at the over to go along with that Seattle Mariners run line. 975, 976 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals hit the road faceoff against the Baltimore Orioles. It is the return of John Means for the Baltimore Orioles, and Adam Wainwright is on the bump for St. Louis. 10 is the total, over and under, both at minus 110 with Baltimore. They are anywhere between minus 182 to minus 192 favorites, anywhere between plus 160 and plus 170 is your number on St. Louis. And this is an ordeal where I did set the Baltimore Orioles as favorites of a minus 223. was willing to go up to a minus 118 on the run line. Currently find that at a plus 105, and I'm going to be one to dive in there. But John Means was a little bit up and down at the minor league level. Was getting a lot of strikeouts when he was pitching at the double-A level, at the triple-A level. This was down to more like seven and a half strikeouts per nine innings. So I, mean, I do think that there are going to be some growing pains and some bumps in the road for John Means. But even with the injury to Felix Batista since the beginning of the month of July, you still have a Baltimore Orioles bullpen that does rank in the top eight in the big leagues with regards to ERA and Cano has been able to do a solid job 
of closing out games all season long. We've seen a little bit of regression with him, but I like what Jacob Webb has been able to provide in the bullpen. CNL Perez, a sub-3-4 ERA as well. And then when it comes to Adam Wainwright, he just has been a complete and utter disaster. In his 19 starts this year, he has given up 3-plus runs in 17 of them. An 8.79 road ERA. He is giving up 2.9 home runs per nine innings on the road this season. He's been overall for the season giving up 3.6 walks per nine innings while getting five strikeouts per nine innings. It's just so sad to watch his career end like this. And now he has to go up against a Baltimore Orioles team that they have any top four team in the American League with regards to runs per game over the last two months. They don't necessarily have that one guy in their lineup where you say, oh my gosh, this guy. Is just an absolute terror or anything like that. Adley Rutschman, he has been your main guy at the top of the fold, being able to give you about a 367 on base. He's been able to provide 17 plus home runs. And then typically, guys, I always like to call it two through seven. Sometimes it's two through eight. They all provide like a 315 to a 340-ish on base, aside from when Aaron Nix is in there. Aaron Nix is up to right around about a 345 on base. But Ryan Moncastle, Gunnar Anderson, Anthony Santander, Ryan O'Hearn, Cedric Mullins, all these guys are sort of in that fold. And then when you got Santander and Henderson in there, they're able to supply some boom. Santander between 27 and 28 home runs this season. Gunnar Henderson, he's up to 24 since coming off the injured list. Ryan Moncastle has been able to give you north of a 350 on base. And when it comes to the Cardinals, the offense has been quite solid with Lars Nupar in there. When he was missing in the last 13 games of the month of August, the team was averaging 2.8 runs per contest since his return. They've been averaging darn near 6 runs per game, so he has made a difference. 380 on bases. He, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, all in between about a 270 to a 275. Throwing their Jordan Walker as well for the Nolan, Nolan Gorman, Nolan Arenado, both with 26 plus home runs this season as well. Wilson Contreras, that's the all-star break. So maybe we'll be north of a 375 on base. Really, aside from Mason Wynn, everyone posts all-star break. It's been a move the line, but for the St. Louis Cardinals, you've got Adam Wainwright in there, and you've got absolutely no bullpen whatsoever with regards to this team, as you've had a lot of guys that have not been able to deliver. You get Ryan Helsley back in fold. He's been able to give you a sub-3-5 ERA. He was an all-star last season. He's pretty much the only guy in this bullpen that has an ERA that is below a 4, as currently you've got Jojo Romero on the injured list, and then you've got the likes of Giovanni Gallegos, Drew Verhagen, Casey Lawrence, they're offering between about a 4 to a 4-5 ERA, so we could use a little bit of something more there. Recognize that this is a first start for John Means in quite some time, but he's well backed up. I think that the Cardinals are going to get their runs. I think that the Orioles get their runs. Semi-total at 10.1, looking at the over, and with Baltimore, we'll take that plus money, laying a run and a half. 977, 978 on the bang board, the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on to Cincinnati, and they are on the road. They are facing off against the Detroit Tigers, as it is old to be determined who is going to be on the bump for the Tigers, and it is old to be determined who is on the bump for the Cincinnati Reds. So this is a game that's off the board, and ESPN is right now showing a projected pitching matchup of Brandon Williamson going up against Joey Wentz. And if this is a matchup that we get, I'd be willing to lay up to a minus 127 with regards to the Cincinnati Reds. And would be setting my total at an 8.7 to where an 8.5 or less. I would be taking a look at the over and an 8 or higher to the under. Can't be thinking that Joey Wentz is going to give you a whole heck of a lot of length here as for Joey Wentz, they've been sort of having him up and down at the big league level. It has been an almighty struggle for him recently. The last time he filled more than five innings, you have to go back quite a ways. As a matter of fact, June 17th is the last time and he's been able to do so. He has had a north of 6 ERA in that time span with a 742 home ERA compared to a 582 ERA on the road and at home. He has been giving up right around 2 home runs per 9 innings, but it's facing off against a red team that is dealing with some ailments. Good news is, some of you guys, they are getting back in the fold for the team as 
Now you've got Joey Votto who's back. He's going to give the team a home run every about 12 or so at bat. So that has been very helpful. You've got the likes of ATJ Friedel, Spencer Steer, a pair of guys that have been able to give you north of a 335 on base with Steer. He's been steering the ship with regards to power with 20 home runs, but still losing Jonathan Nunez, losing Matt McClain, a combined 31 home runs. A pair of guys giving you north of a 335 on base has really been hurting the seam. And for Ellie De La Cruz, he's been hitting below the Mendoza line of a 200 ever since the All-Star break. That's a massive issue. Will Benson has been able to give you a 370 on base, a little bit under the radar. Christian Incarnacion strain has been able to do a relatively okay job as well. And then you do take a look at Detroit, and this team still does rank in the bottom three at the big leagues with regards to runs per game as they have a deal with an injury to Riley Green. I do like what Gary Carpenter has been able to do in tandem with Spencer Torkelson. Torkelson up to 27 home runs this season, but he's really been able to get it going post-All-Star break. And the stars for the Tigers, they have been really firing all cylinders post-All-Star break. For Torkelson, 15 of his home runs have come ever since the break. Gary Carpenter since the All-Star break, hitting for about a 380 on base, 12 home runs, but past that, you really don't have a lot for this team as post-All-Star break, Jake Rogers, Akil Badu, Parker Meadows, Zach Short, Tyler Nevin, even Zach McKinstry, uh, Carson Kelly, who they recently picked up, Javi Baez, all these guys are in a 223 or lower. So big divide between the halves and the have-nots. You got a pair of pretty comparable bullpens for the Detroit Tigers. You've been able to have a pair of guys who saw a job in this bullpen. Tyler Holton, Jason Foley have been able to give you a sub-3-5. ERA Bobriski has been relatively solid as well, but it was AC Serino has been all over the place. Alex Lang has been okay for this team, a little bit up and down. And Miguel Diaz, very small sample size, but so far so good there. And then for the Reds, you've got Alex Young, who's currently out of the full, but when he's been in there, he, along with Lucas Sims, Ian Cabo, Buck Farmer, they've done a solid job of getting the ball to Alexis. He has, who's been one of the better closers in the big leagues, as all those guys have a sub-375 ERA. And with Brandon Williamson, he hasn't necessarily been the world's most flashy pitcher in the world. You could get Ben Lively as well. And the handicap, if you get Ben Lively, it would be relatively the same as Brandon Williamson. He would be coming off of sort of that COVID IL, very strange situation that is happening with the Reds, but for the season, Williamson 420 ERA, 451 field, independent before going on the COVID IL. It allowed three runs or fear on pretty much six out of his last seven starts. Eight strikeouts to three blocks per nine innings has been able to do a lot of his best work when he has been on the road as well. So if you do get Williamson versus Wentz, one to lay up to a minus 127 with Reds, would need at least a plus 128 to take shot on the Tigers. And after last look at the, at the over, nine or higher to the under. And we wrap things up with 979, 980 on the betting board. It is the San Francisco Giants playing goes to the Cleveland Guardians. Cal Quantrill goes for the Guardians. Sean Manet is on the ball. For San Francisco, San Francisco is a favorite of any between minus 133 to a minus 142, anywhere between plus 120 to a plus 125, your number on the Guardians. Eight and a half is the total. Unders between minus 115 to a minus 110. Overs any between minus 110 to a minus 105. And I did set my total at an 8.4. I'm going to be willing to dive in on the under. I recognize that Sean Manea has been relatively rough. And typically you have an opener that comes in for Sean Manea as well. So you do want to be tracking that it's as if you're one of those people that bets pitcher dependent because we have seen the Giants do that all throughout the last few seasons. And for Sean Manea, overall for the season five ERA, he has been a bit unlucky. Four away fielding dependent. The strikeout numbers have been coming back to him with right around 10.8 strikeouts per nine innings. Not expecting a whole bundle full of length with regards to Sean Manea. He's really made one appearance in which he's went north of five innings for pretty much the entirety of the season since like mid-April. So 
That is something that you do want to be very mindful of. But you take a look since June 10th on when they really started to utilize him as more of a boat guy. He's got in this time span about a 413 ERA, 341 fielding dependent. The strikeout numbers have been solid, getting about 10 strikeouts per nine. And he's being able to limit the hard contact. And he goes up against someone in Cal Quantrill that was that steady Eddie guy that he had a stretch from the back half of the 2022 season into the early part of the 2023 season, which the Guardians went 22-3 and in his 25 starts in that spam. But that said, for Cal Quantrill, not really anyone special. He just is looking to induce off contact. 5.2 strikeouts at three walks per nine innings. Been a bit unlucky this year on balls and play. 570 ERA compared to a 463 fielding dependent making due for what happened last year when he was quite fortunate on balls and play. But you know that Cal Quantrill is just looking to fill a little bit of length in his two starts that's coming off the injury list. Very solid. Two runs allowed against the Angels and the Tampa Bay Rays. The team got one win and they got one loss. And the loss came because they were only able to provide him with two runs of support. And that is the role that I say you always have with the Cleveland Guardians. The team is dead last in the big leagues with regards to home runs on a per at bat and a per game basis. You have been able to have Jose Ramirez be able to pound out a grand total of 21 home runs this far this season, hitting about a 275. And then Josh Taylor is back to full. He missed the entirety of the month of August, but still has been able to give you 15 plus home runs. Has been able to 300, but you had so many guys last year like Ahmed Rosario, Andres Jimenez, Will Brandon, Stephen Kwan, Oscar Gonzalez, playing at least a 270 for this team. You've got Brandon and Kwan hitting about a 270, and then not Ahmed Rosario is not even with the team anymore. Everyone else is hitting a 245 or lower. Meanwhile, for the Giants, they've been hitting as a collective just over a 220 ever since the All-Star break. It has really been the worst offense in the National League post-All-Star break. Though I will say, Wilmer Flores hitting right around 300. He sets the All-Star break at 13-plus home runs. Nobody else as north of five, so that's been a big giant issue for this team. As you've got so many guys that have been very mediocre post All Star break, but I do think that they might be able to bust out a little bit more here. As you've got still quite a few guys that'll be able to give you a double figure amount of homers overall for the season. But the likes of JD Davis, Austin Slater, Lamonte Wade Jr., Blake Sable, Mitch Haniger, Paul DeYoung, all these guys. In between about a buck ninety to two ten post all break. That is an issue, but for the Giants since the beginning of the month of May, number two in the league with the guards of bullpen area, both of the Rogers brothers, John Brebbia, someone like the the closer Camilo Duvall, they've all been able to give you a sub three three ERA. And for the Cleveland Guardians, ever since the beginning of the month of July, it's been a pretty pedestrian bullpen overall for the season. Still in the top eight with regards to bullpen ERA. As you've got Matt Moore, Eli Morgan, Trevor Steven, Daniel De Los Santos, Emmanuel Classe. We've all been able to give you a sub 3.6 ERA. So this is a spot where I did sub my tell at 8.4. It is very much one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks in the big leagues at Oracle. So going to be taking a look at the under with the Giants. Was willing to lay up to a minus 142 on the money line. So look at Giants and look at under. And that will wrap things up for the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show. Now part of the Visa family of podcasts. If you do like hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. If you have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at GNN underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters here. Maybe it does not matter. So as per usual, please send these into the timeline. And the other way, that's fine. An Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And from there, you're able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. And I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season. That means I'm going to be coming at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. At 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 